Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. And as always, for sharing our podcasts on social media, our numbers are up. Um, we thank you for that because, as many of you know who have been following us for a while, we have been shadow banned on Facebook. Our posts do not get into people's news feeds. So that's why we need you to go directly to our Facebook page and share our posts. We have not been able to break through the powers that be and the censorship there. So thank you again for your prayers, and we're going to open this hour. We've got a very special guest back with us today. Father in heaven, uh, thank you again for a new day. We know your mercies are new every morning. We recognize great is your faithfulness. Um, you have kept us here, those of us who are alive and uh, breathing and our hearts are beating, because you have a purpose for our lives, and that is to glorify you. That is to to live for your glory, for your kingdom, and, and to exalt the name of Jesus in our lives. We all have different missions and specific talents and abilities, and we all have different spheres of influence. And we ask that you would give us wisdom, O oh God. Give us discernment and help us to be able to impact the people that need hope, that need to hear the truth, even though it's not popular, or especially those who don't know you, Lord, and don't have that eternal hope and security. We love you. Thank you for the honor and privilege of serving you and calling on your name and being called Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. Back with us today, we're excited to have Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy, best-selling author, speaker, activist. She uh, educates and inspires uh, the public on uh, social and moral issues of the day that are very important to families, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, Christian families, and liberty-loving liberty uh, citizens. Um, the growing threat to America's children and the vicious attack on religious liberty is what propelled Elizabeth out of her comfort zone years ago to inspire moms and Christian, not only women, but families and a nation of belittled conservatives across the country to come out of the closet, so to speak, and boldly take their country back. Um, we welcome Elizabeth back. Thank you so much for joining us again today. David, it's always an honor to speak to you. Well, God bless you for the work that you do, the relentless uh, work. It, it takes a lot of passion. It takes endurance and perseverance. And I just want to mention, before we get into a lot of questions I have for you, your book, Not On My Watch, um, that's been out for a year and a half, two years. Is that right? A year and a half, yes. Okay, and, and any new books in the works? Or I, I can't imagine you being so busy that you'd have time to write anything, let alone a blog. Yeah, <clears throat> praying about that, praying about that. Um, don't want to just assume anything and force anything that's not you know naturally bubbling up inside of me. But um, <laughs> yeah, Not On My Watch has really inspired a lot of people. It's just filled with, with inspirational stories of everyday moms and dads getting off of the sidelines and onto the front lines of the culture war and realizing that their voice has significant power if they will just be willing to say things that are unpopular, to protect their children from obscenity in the schools and in culture. Uh, it's amazing what we can accomplish if we will all band together and not be bullied by the radical left. That's their their main tool that they have in their arsenal yes. is bullying us and trying to put us in a place of fear. And if we will rise up as the Lord has told us and to to not fear, be strong and courageous and be a voice for righteousness in this, you know, dark culture that we are living in, sinful culture, uh, man, God is looking for those people, and He will move heaven and earth to fight on your behalf. Amen. Um, Elizabeth, how do we overcome the fact that the misconception that it's Christians and conservatives who are the bullies when they are, they are painting us into a corner that we're bullying because of our stance on uh, life in the womb, biblical marriage, you know, uh, Christian values? How do we overcome the lies and the, the, 
they've pretty much been accepted. And you just said it correctly. We are being bullied and censored and shouted down and discriminated against. What advice can you give, particularly to Christian moms and families out there who don't know how to respond to this? Well, the radical left's argument that they just wanted to um, be, you know, accepted and and not bullied um, might have worked 20 years ago, but uh, um, certainly it has been made abundantly clear that that was not their intention. Uh, Their their claim to victim status um, by saying, you know, we don't have rights, we just want equal equal rights, uh, it's become very clear now that they have uh, drag queens reading stories in the, our libraries to our children, uh, you know, adult co- content and behavior um, being foisted upon uh, children, the kinds of activities that we're seeing now. It's very clear this wasn't about uh, equal rights. This wasn't about, oh, let me love who I want to love in my in my own bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been about a very radical agenda to um, cause our children to no longer hold our values and to even sexualize our children. Now we have Planned Parenthood and Human Rights Campaign, two of the most radical, well-funded leftist lobbies in our nation, are in our taxpayer-funded schools mm-hmm. teaching kids how to sodomize one another, teaching them how to pleasure themselves in uh, sex education classes, this, teaching them how to question their very own gender. This is what is taking place in our schools on a daily basis, pre, pre-COVID, that is. And, um, and, and so it's clear that this is not about, oh, we just don't want to be bullied. This is about fundamentally transforming our nation and removing our godly values from our children. And so that argument no longer holds water. Um, you know, when you have a, a man trying to uh, just have a, a, a bakery uh, who, who cannot even say, my conscience will not allow me to make this cake and to celebrate this wedding, this homosexual wedding, Mm. and then he's continually, continually barraged with lawsuits over and over and over again. You can see who it is that's being bullied. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're going to get to that sex ed, uh, comprehensive sex ed uh, information that uh, you put out and some Christian parents are trying to raise awareness about it has not gone away, friends. But you mentioned drag queens, Elizabeth, and we know they were infiltrating not only many public libraries across the country, but they were also getting into schools under the guise of whatever, education or health. But during the COVID-19 shutdown, schools, of course, are not operating, but what do you know about the influence that has continued where drag queens and that agenda has still gotten to the kids because every kid has a smartphone or a computer, right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's infiltrated culture. If, if your children have devices and you do not have those devices protected, properly locked down and protected, um, your children are seeing this, mm. this, this kind of content, a very obscene content all over the internet, hardcore pornography, easily available. Um, I cannot urge to your listeners enough, there are too many parents who technologically are in the dark and they do not have their children's devices protected. This is not an option. Your kids are literally carrying around hardcore pornography if you do not have major, serious, intentional um, protections on your child's computer. I I recommend Covenant Eyes um, Mm, and... And Bark. Uh, Covenant Eyes will uh, notify you via email if your uh, child has attempted to search something that is uh, harmful. And then um, Bark will uh, help to protect the apps like the Hmm. social media apps like um, Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. It can actually detect if there is uh, bullying. I mean, some of this isn't just obscenity and sexual stuff in nature. You, you know, your kids are getting bullied by others, and children are, you know, struggling with, with suicidal ideation as a result of this and depression. Um, and so BARC can help you detect those things and also uh, things of, a, of an obscene nature. So cannot emphasize this enough. Your children will accidentally, even mm-hmm. without looking, they will accidentally stumble upon obscenity. And we have to ask ourselves, would we bring in 
uh, people to into our home to to actually show our children sexual acts and pornography. Well, we would never do that. We know that's not what's best for our children and and your kids. If your kids' devices, every one of them, iPad, phone, uh, laptop, are not properly protected. Uh, I guarantee you, even if they wanted to or not, they'll stumble across this, this obscenity. Yeah. And once they stumble upon it, uh, normally they become addicted to it. It is very easy with all the activity and especially the downtime now that children are mm. having uh, because they're not in schools and they're not always you know, supervised. But I want to jump to the comprehensive sex ed that uh, you mentioned. It's in public schools. It's been in there. They're trying to reach kids at younger and younger ages. And uh, you put out something, uh, just some information on California school systems. And this is ap- actually, most parents would look at this and be embarrassed. But young kids, as young as kindergarten through fourth grade, are hearing about the genderbred person and what's your gender. And, and so that's being exploited. Also, the fifth and sixth graders are hearing uh, about this condom relay race uh, game. And that's obviously we, we purposely, we're uh, not going to talk about specifics there, but there's oh. another one where there's a game to practice putting a condom on vegetables. And that's, the, it says, what if you don't have time or money to buy sex toys? This is for ninth and 11th graders. Now, most parents are going, you're kidding me, because we couldn't imagine that when we were in school. Elizabeth, what can you tell us about? Actually, now let me piggyback another question on that one. A lot of parents now, they're hearing more about this, and they're seeing their kids at home that they can actually teach their kids, and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort. But now we heard that more parents are going to keep them home come the fall, and they're going to homeschool. So first the comprehensive yeah. sex ed, and then maybe the uptick in uh, homeschooling. Yeah, really excited about that uptick and uh, hoping that parents will see that this is doable and that it is um, actually crucial if you want your child to uh, exit school um, holding Christian values, that it is crucial that you homeschool them. And I am a huge homeschool advocate. I homeschooled my children, um, all 10 of them, for 20 years now and have many more years to go. <laughs> Than since my youngest is only four. Wow. Um, and there's, yeah, I mean, I would I would never consider doing anything other than what I have chosen to do. It's been one of the best decisions we've ever made. And um, my children, we're we're you know our kids are growing up to be warriors in God's kingdom. Um, mm. Just very very strong worldview and ministries of their own and impacts of their own. And it has everything to do with the fact that, you know, we have protected them from a lot of the obscenity uh, that is in the schools and the, you know, negative peer influences that you cannot avoid. And, you know, the scripture clearly teaches that bad company corrupts good character. Mm-hmm. And so there is just a, a, a very large number of hours every week that your child is being conditioned uh, in the public school to think and act a particular way, which is in total opposition to our, our Christian values. So can't emphasize the importance of that enough. But as far as the sex ed, it's totally out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, parents don't think that it's happening in their school. They think that somehow their community is immune to it. But um, unfortunately, I have to be the bearer of bad news. I, God has asked me to be a, watch, a watchman on the wall of sorts, a watchwoman, if you will, and to, you know, sound the alarm on these issues because parents are um, unaware that these programs come into your child's school through very innocent-sounding names. Uh, They're normally called things like family life Mm. and um, safe schools and welcoming schools. And, David, doesn't that just sound delightful and wonderful? And we all want safe schools and welcoming schools. But actually, what they're doing is teaching your kids how to be um, very sexual, mm-hmm. and they are teaching your children obscenity, and they are encouraging LGBT behavior, and they are encouraging your child to question whether it's their own gender. And they're calling this family life, David. Mm-hmm. And um, there's funding that comes along with these programs, and these uh, administrators are hiding the programs from the parents and taking the funding that goes with the programs, and then they cannot control what is taught because they took the funding that went with it. And so they have to allow the Planned Parenthood or the Human Rights Campaign uh, perverted material 
to be taught because they took the funding with it. And yeah. so we have really pulled the lid off of this over the last two years. And I launched Sex Ed Sit Out, which parents continue to, uh, on a grassroots level, um, do in their communities, in their states. They are doing Sex Ed Sit Out where they pull the children out of the schools in protest of the pornographic sex ed, gender-bending sex ed in their schools. Get in your Get in your child's class. Find out what they're learning. Um, demand that they cannot uh, do these programs without parents approving them. Um, they, they, it's very sneaky the way all of this is happening. Get into your school board meetings mm-hmm. and, and let your voice be heard that you are not going to tolerate this. And even if you're a homeschool parent like me, realize that your tax dollars are going to fund this kind of perversion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth, you mentioned raising your kids earlier and homeschooling, and I'm sure you've taught them from the Bible, from the Word of God. That's how education was before the early 1900s or so. But God as creator, the creator of male and female, and I want to talk about your work at abortion clinics, what they're now labeled essential abortion clinics, which is ridiculous. But have you taken your kids to uh, go out there and and tell us about saving lives at abortion clinics, maybe uh, something recently that you can share. Yes. David, we've been seeing so many lives saved. We've raised our children on the front lines of these abortion clinics. We've taken them out to pray and to just um, make ourselves available to the broken men and women that are going into the clinic. When you're going into a clinic and you're paying a person to kill your child, you don't get any more broken than that. Okay, and our hearts are just filled with compassion with the individuals that sometimes are going in because they feel forced by family members. Uh, we've seen women going in forced by their pimps mm. to uh, kill their baby. Um, so many terrible situations and broken situations. And so our hearts just break for them. We're not there in judgment. We're there in compassion wanting to help them because we realize that killing the baby is not a solution. It's actually only the beginning of their problem. Mm. Many women suffer the rest of their lives after an abortion with depression and suicidal ideation and struggles in their relationships with their other children and their husband. As a result of their abortion, many women struggle to ever get over it the rest of their lives. And then, of course, you have the life of the child to be considering. And so we go out and we just uh, pray and worship and make ourselves available. And the women and men going in will stop. They will talk to us. We will offer them resources, free pregnancy tests, free ultrasound. Um, come, let's let's see your baby. Let's see how the baby's doing. And boom, they see the heartbeat. They choose life for their baby. Um, just God. so many incredible stories, David. And and we I just recently in the last several weeks. We've seen several, several babies saved. Just me personally, I have intervened in several situations where the moms have chosen life for their baby, and there's nothing more rewarding mm. than than taking your, you know, Saturday morning or Friday morning, whatever it might be, and going out to an abortion clinic and actually walking away knowing that someone chose life for their baby that was literally about to execute their child. Mm. Mm. What an important work, and thank you for doing that. We don't have to be nasty out there. We don't have to be judgmental, because some are, but that's a minority. But to peacefully pray and protest. Um, Elizabeth, you uh, recently posted on your uh, Facebook page, Elizabeth Johnston, activist mommy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what a great man of God. His Mm. famous quote, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Of course, he was one of the about... Uh, one-third of pastors in Germany that stood up to Hitler. Mm. Um, but thank you for the work that you do. I just want to get your thoughts. Well, I only just have a minute. It went by so fast with us here in this first segment. But on just the speed um, with which Americans just let their freedoms go during this mm. coronavirus shutdown, churches allowed our we just allowed our voices to be silenced for for a couple months, and now some are fighting back. People giving up their jobs or not given up. They've lost their businesses mm. and governors are just taking more power. It seems it just seems like things are upside down. Just your thoughts. I know from reading up on you and the articles and your interviews, I know your heart, mm-hmm. but some of our listeners might not uh, know your perspective on this. It is very alarming. And once you have given up liberties, you rarely ever get them back. Mm. It is very hard 
to get them back once you've given them up. And so we must be ever vigilant to always maintain our liberties. Um, you know, Christians, for some reason, seem to want to think that it is wrong and unchristlike to stand for your liberties. That is a very common misconception, David. And I just, I don't know. I'm like, what Bible are they reading? It's not the Bible I read. I, our, our Bible is so full of beautiful examples of courage, of, of uh, individuals like the Hebrew midwives who said, no, we will not kill these babies, like Daniel who said, no, I will pray openly. I will not uh, be forced to, to not pray. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no, I will not bow down. Uh, to this God. I will not do just as you say when you ask me to do something that's not right. And it is wrong for churches to be asked to close their doors. It's mm-hmm. one thing to recommend. It is one thing to give guidance. It is one thing to say, be careful and take these extra precautions. But to, like the Chicago mayor, you know, show up with all these police and literally knock on the door of a church service and arrest people and take people's names and, and you know, basically stalk all the churchgoers. Guys, mm. hello? Yes. <laughs> I mean, is this America? This sounds like China. This sounds like Nazi Germany. We cannot allow this to take place. And, and, and again, our, our, the Word of God is just replete with examples of beautiful, peaceful uh, stands and resistance to government tyranny. And so um, I, I'm always inspired by those stories. You know, the, the, the um, apostles were told that they could not preach that they had to stop preaching the gospel, right. and, and they couldn't go around and share the gospel. And that was their government telling them, basically, that they, or what they're telling us right now, the, the, the radical leftist Democrats and mayors saying, you can't have church. And they said, no, we will obey God rather than man. Mm-hmm. That is our history. That is our Christian history. And so uh, for those that are just really struggling with that. What is our Christian response? Um, I just encourage them to look to the Word of God. Our answers are there. Amen. Oh, so much more to talk about. But Elizabeth, we've got to let you go. I know you've got a time crunch this morning, but we will get you back, God willing, in the near future. Continue to do the work you're doing. You're inspiring a lot of people, particularly Christian women and moms. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you so much. God bless you. We will be praying for you, Elizabeth Johnson. Your website, activistmommy.com. Thank you again, Elizabeth. Thank you, David. We stand shoulder to shoulder with you. God bless you. Praise God. Uh, when we come back, uh, a viral video from Steve Dace, uh, Steve Dace show, will lockdowns kill more people than the virus ever would? Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Thank you so much for uh, staying with us this morning. So much to talk about, uh, a lot of uh, effects of this government shutdown, a lot of angst, a lot of division, and even uh, debates on whether a mask (laughs) does any good or not. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, And then this great article that actually uh, Spike shared with me last night from uh, a website, Real Clear Politics, which leans left, but there are some good articles on there. Um, It's called Miscalculating Risk. Confusing scary with dangerous. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get to that. But I just wanted to um, add some thoughts on what Elizabeth shared with us earlier about just the fact that, you know, Bible prophecy, for those of us who have studied it through the years, many of us aren't surprised by the general panic and reaction of people, not just, you know, Americans, but even some Christians to the uh, Chinese coronavirus uh, and our governors or our health experts reaction response to it but did you ever imagine really uh we don't think about this enough i don't i don't believe how quickly and willingly americans knowing our rich history of freedom how quickly and willingly we would allow uh, we didn't surrender and wave the white flag take away all of our rights but essentially, we just said, okay, we'll do what you say, and there go some of our rights, not all of them. We're not persecuted like some countries are. Uh, we still have rights and freedoms here. We still have our Constitution. Um, but the nation's economy and just believe so many of the 
lies and contradictions coming out by the scientific experts or the profession, the medical profession. It's just really amazing. And it seems to be we've lost focus or understanding about our freedoms, the First Amendment and the Constitution. Um, Elizabeth mentioned uh, the Bible where Acts chapter 5. I just want to clarify one thing. In that context, they were told they cannot preach any longer in the name of Jesus. And they said, we must obey God rather than man. That principle, that response of theirs is an example to us. We must obey God and his word, even over government, if government tells us to do something that is unbiblical. However, in America, we have not been told that we cannot preach in the name of Jesus. But (laughs) if you do it in public, the left will try to shut you down. A lot of our websites have been censored in some way. I've been telling you guys for the last couple years, we are shadow banned on Facebook. What does that mean? I say it a lot. It means we post something. Every now and then they let it go through and people comment on it. They can see it. But most of the time, especially our daily podcasts, you will not see them in your news feed. So to us, to our eyes here as administrators of the Facebook page, we post it. There it is. It's on Facebook, so to speak. But people that like our page, and I think they're like 24,000 or something, I don't know. People that like our page and follow us will not see our news feed unless they allow a certain post to go through. That's just how it works. We have not, nobody that I know has been able to um, break through that wall. But I want to also, there's, we're not alone. A lot of people have been, you know, censored on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, there's one story that came out. Dennis Prager, they even sued uh, YouTube for taking down. Now, nothing controversial at all. Prager University, Prager U, they put out educational videos. They're like five minutes long, talk about the Constitution or freedoms in America. They don't often mention religion, but sometimes they do. But it's just very, here's our history, here's the free, here's what the Constitution says, and they get banned anyway. So um, right now, Facebook evicts PragerU from public visibility, claiming they repeated or shared false news. So they, I guess they, they buried the page of conservative nonprofit group PragerU and reduced distribution of its posts. They can do that. That this is just unfortunately this is uh, the entity that we have to go through when we want to share something with our friends and people that that have like-minded values and faith as ours. We use social media, those of us that do, and those of us that don't, you are much less frustrated <laughs> and probably have more time on your hands. But just you can find the articles. This one was from Breitbart just a few days ago. Um, but anyway, there are more stories like this. Um, I do want to get to something else we talked about. Um, first of all, the comprehensive sex education. I hope, I hope that if you're listening to this podcast, that you are not thinking that we are exaggerating. This has been in our schools for decades. If you don't think that's true, um, I wonder what it's like with your head buried in the sand. You've got to know what's going on. And if you don't, that's on you when your child gets into his or her teen years and rebels from any biblical upbringing or faith he's had. Um, So just be careful what you are allowing your kids to see, to watch, to learn. And I would really encourage you. We had Sam Sorbo. We played that uh, podcast yesterday about how she went to Duke University, and yet she was told by our culture that that she she wasn't adequate or equipped to educate her own kids at home. It's a bunch of baloney, and you guys know it. So looking at Bible prophecy, we're not surprised by a lot of this happening. I do want to mention the the agenda for our kids. Teen Vogue magazine online. Um, There's a group called Enough is Enough, an organization that works to keep families safe from Internet trash, and they expose this. Uh, just a couple days ago, recent articles on new Teen Vogue. You ready? 
I'm, now, I'm saying this to adults. Some of you go, you shouldn't be talking about this on, on Christian uh, talk radio or public. But, you know, <laughs> nine-year-olds are hearing, nine-year-old girls are hearing this, okay? Your teenagers are hearing this. So, adults, you better just, you know, forget that argument. It's foolish. A recent article on Teen Vogue, sexting should make you feel good. And then another one, how to sext, the best tips and tricks. Teen Vogue has also promoted sodomy between underage boys and girls and recently posted an article on how children can keep their sex lives active during the pandemic. This is a parent's worst nightmare because you can't possibly watch what your kids are doing all day long online. But you've got to raise it. You've got to try. Raise awareness. Tell others about this. Make sure other Christian parents know that's why I'm mentioning it. And Teen Vogue is not alone. It's not an isolated case, but I don't want to belabor the point. Um, we talked a little bit also about the shutdown and how people are reacting to it. Okay, no, no, one more. I'm sorry. One more. Um, I just got this article a few days ago. Disney and Pixar. Well, you know, Disney has been dabbling in witchcraft through the decades, as many of you know, in their cartoons. But now they're really pushing the LGBT agenda. Actually, in their theme parks, they have a gay pride day at their theme parks. And let me be warned, friends, uh, June is known as uh, Pride Month, I believe, Gay Pride Month or Pride Month. You know the propaganda's on its way. All right? Disney, Pixar, they've got a film, a short film called Out, O-U-T. What, what could that possibly be about? Well, Pixar Animation Studio is joining the culture wars for the first time by featuring an openly gay lead character. The animated film follows a gay man's journey into acceptance as he prepares to move into a city with his boyfriend. That's Disney. Um, Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy, shared a link with us, Covenant Eyes. I will put that in today's podcast notes. Now, we have this story about what's happening in nursing homes in America and assisted living facilities. Here are the stats, the most recent stats that we have accessed. 43% of COVID-19 deaths have been in nursing homes elderly, the assisted living facilities in our country, despite being just 1.6% of the U.S. population. I want to share some specific numbers. I've got a map pulled up um, thanks to, and we're going to get to that Steve Dace. I have a video, I'm sorry, an audio clip about will the lockdowns kill more people than the virus ever would? We'll play that in a minute, some audio from his program the Steve Dace Show. Um, it started in Washington, and they were freaked out because uh, nursing homes got hit really hard and quickly with the coronavirus that back in March. 61% of deaths in Washington have been in nursing homes. This is sad, friends. California, 42%. The lowest that we have numbers for, um, it is Nevada, 24%. That's the lowest Arizona, 54%. Minnesota, and what, God, pray for those people. God help the people there in Minnesota, especially in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. They are going through some chaos, hatred, division that has been stoked through the years by politicians. 81.4% of COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes. That's Minnesota. Illinois, 50%. Half of the deaths nursing homes and assisted living. Ohio, 70%. Pennsylvania, 69%. Maine, 54.7%. Wow. Um, New Jersey, I think, is the No, Minnesota was the highest. New Jersey comes in at 77% of the deaths of COVID-19 deaths took place in assisted living facilities or nursing homes. Um, Vermont, 69%. Virginia, 62%. North Carolina, 63%. And it's like that. I mean, the numbers are in the 40s generally. That's probably the average. 43% is the average in America. Um, Lord, 
help us. We have already devalued life in America. Friends, we've talked about this for years, and I don't mean to beat a drum till there's a hole in the drum, but you start with abortion and life in the womb and the right to life and the value of every human life in God's eyes, created by God in his image, every life, devaluing that through abortion because you term it choice, convenience, whatever you want to say. And then um, the elderly. There are five states, possibly six states in America who have legalized physician-assisted suicide, euthanasia, in America. So now do you make the connection I'm not saying that all of these nursing homes, the people and the, the facilitators of the nursing homes and the people that operate them or own them want to kill the elderly. Obviously they don't, or they wouldn't take care of the elderly. But there's a mentality here that these lives are not as valuable. Um, we're going to have to take a break in a minute. I will get to that Steve Dace audio clip. I really want to strongly encourage you to hang on through this break and listen to this um, in fact, we'll take an early break. He asked the question, will lockdowns kill more people than the virus ever would? And we'll get to that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We just went over the numbers of a nursing home and assisted living facility fatalities and the high percentage throughout the country, particularly on the East Coast and some of the blue states. I just, I've just got to make that observation, um, and I'll just leave it at that. But what is the economic cost of the lockdowns? What about the health cost on the rest of people who don't have COVID-19, who have not been going to the hospital because of fear? Thank you, media of catching the virus, um, what if the cost is more than just dollars? Here's the clip from Steve Dace on The Steve Dace Show. Then there's the lives lost due to the missed health care. Stroke evaluations are down 40%. Strokes didn't just go away, folks. They're just not being treated. Half of America's 650,000 cancer patients aren't getting treatments during these lockdowns. Upwards of three-fourths of new cancer screenings are not happening. Boy, those people are in for a surprise in a few months when they finally get screened and find out that they're no longer treatable, no longer operable, or maybe could have avoided a rigorous chemotherapy regimen, and now they can't. Living donor transplants are down 85% compared to last year. Let me repeat that. Living donor transplants are down 85% at this time compared to last year. In total, America has collectively lost more than a half a million years of life from missed treatment delays, missed stroke diagnoses, missed cancer diagnoses, missed child vaccinations. That's more lost years of life than Americans outside of our nursing homes will suffer from COVID-19. And it's not even close. It's not even close. Two thirds of all of our COVID-19 deaths have occurred in the handful of states that repopulated their nursing homes with the COVID-19 infected. I'll have a video about that tomorrow. Yes, that's the Steve Dace Show, D-E-A-C-E. He does phenomenal work. He's got a great research team, and I highly recommend him. Um, I'm just reading an article about Michigan's Governor Whitmer, like New York uh, Governor Cuomo, they're apparently requiring COVID-19 patients, uh, they're allowing them back into nursing homes. I, I don't understand this, um, so I'll just, just leave it at that. There's a lot that we're finding out about how governors govern during a time of crisis. Our state in Wisconsin, um, the, fortunately, the Supreme Court in our state had to overturn uh, Governor Evers' 
extension, attempted extension of the lockdown order, so we're thankful for that. Uh, our media, though, has been irresponsible locally, and uh, it goes without saying that our national media have stoked the fears. Um, let me just share a couple thoughts from this article about confusing scary with dangerous. Uh, the coronavirus kills, and everyone knows it, but this isn't the first deadly virus the world has seen. So what happened? Why did we react the way we did? One answer is that this is the first social media pandemic. Think about that. In the age of instant news, access to breaking news and information, and even if the media gets it wrong, because as we uh, shared on last Thursday's podcast about exposing media malpractice, one of the main principles of journalism is to report the truth, and another is verification. Before you report the truth, they do not verify the facts oftentimes, and it gets to the people because it's sensationalism, because they sell headlines or videos or clicks on their website and irresponsibly do that so more people be attracted to their news, whatever it might be. Um, so this is the first social media pandemic where we've got it on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever we are on, on social media. This spreads fear in a way that we have never experienced. Drastic and historically unprecedented lockdowns of the economy happened and seemed to be accepted with little question. We think of the world uh, as scary or dangerous, and we kind of equate those two words. But as this article points out, they are not the same thing. It seems that many have accepted as fact the coronavirus is one of the scariest things the human race has ever dealt with. But is it the most dangerous or even close? Well, there are several ways to really look into this, but it can be scary, but not dangerous. It can be scary and dangerous. It can be dangerous, but not scary, or not dangerous and not scary. I think for a lot of us, I think for you listening, probably I'm guessing that it's not dangerous and not scary. That's not to say that you as a Christian with a biblical worldview of faith and security in our e eternity with Christ, we are not afraid of death. Death has lost its sting. Uh, the victory, Christ has the victory, has given us that victory. So most of us look at that and go, okay, we know our days are numbered. Our life is but a vapor, as Scripture tells us. And as Psalm 90, verse 12, one of my favorites, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So for the most part, I think a lot of Americans would probably say this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 uh, pandemic is scary and it's also dangerous. And they are responding to I don't want to say fake news. In fact, I've rarely ever mentioned, said those words on this podcast, but there has been a lot of contradiction when it comes to what the government shares, what the health experts share, what our state emperors, in some cases, uh, governors have done and the uh, requirements and the orders that have been put out. So let's just clarify that. A concerning health issue, a virus, can be a little, maybe maybe scary, can give you some anxiety. But if you talk about danger from a life and death standpoint, remember the context, what we just shared about the nursing homes. We've known almost from the beginning of this thing that the elderly with compromised immune systems and other health issues were the most vulnerable. We've known that. Children are, are seem to be doing pretty well uh, statistically, and uh, young people. And it's the elderly that have, that have really taken the hit in many of our states across the country. So we're learning. We had to learn. There was a phase. Remember, the two weeks of the first uh, shutdown was to flatten the curve. Well, they extended that then. I'm okay, we, we uh, want to make sure the hospitals weren't overrun, right? Well, that turned into what we have now meaning we're not even sure the schools will come back. We're not even sure the NFL football games will be played in front of fans. This is 
crazy if you look at the numbers and the facts, if you step back from your political ideology and just look at how this has affected human lives. I'm not even talking about the money. I'm not even talking about the economy, but that has consequences. That has repercussions. And we've talked about this before. The suicide rates have increased. A depression has skyrocketed. A drug addiction, alcohol, everything else, and mental health issues. My goodness, Lord, we need help. So I encourage you guys to pray. Let's keep praying for this country and for the health of our nation. But the church, guys, that's what really, really kind of took me uh, by surprise that the church would not say, you know what, you can shut down the businesses and everything else. And I'm not even using the argument if if Menards and Home Depot and Festival Foods and Walmart and, and abortion clinics and all these others can be open, we're not able to meet once a week for an hour on Sunday morning if we use caution. And it's There's something that was wrong, absolutely wrong about that. Um, so anyway, now we're starting to get together again, but it's and now a lot of people I've read um, opinion surveys that they think maybe 30 percent of Christians are not even going to go back to church. Um, they'll watch it online. <laughs> it's uh, not the early church way, not the book of Acts. And uh, we've got to really recognize um, what the Bible teaches about this, about gathering together, about what we need. Truth from God's word. We need communion. We need fellowship. We need accountability. We need encouragement when some people are really, uh, you know, concerned and maybe fearful. That's fearful is not a sin, but if you continue to respond and live like that, then well, it's something we need to repent of because that means you're not trusting God. We are not trusting God. So, I did an article um, a couple days ago called uh, "Most Americans Distrust the Media." And I just want to share a couple points because they have stoked the fears on this thing. And I didn't understand it at first because part of me, with all the research and the writing I've done in the past and many years about the media and the liberal media bias, I just still want to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially when it's something like this, a major health concern in our country. But they couldn't keep the politics out of it. They have been relentless in their attacks on President Trump, 93% of the reporting on the president has been negative, and that has been since the 2016 election. It's no wonder American citizens distrust the news and uh, their distrust of the media is at record highs. Pew Research, only 9% of Americans have a, quote, great deal of confidence that journalists act in the best interests of the people. 9%, isn't that sad? The press was created to serve the citizens of this country and to hold government accountable and to report the truth and let the people decide. When you talk about ethics, this is awful. Six percent, under 10, six percent of U.S. adults think journalists have very high ethical standards. And um, this just reflects on and you'd think reporting on health is kind of like reporting on the weather, that they should just be able to do that without bringing politics into it. But it's been pretty well established now, unless you're in la-la land, that the media kind of wants to see the shutdown extend because their thinking is if the economy is still weak when it comes to November and the presidential election, people will vote for anybody but Trump, Right. And we have no idea what he has done. It's amazing what he has done for this country, um, even in, in the midst of this coronavirus thing. There's an article. Oh, where is it? Um, don't have time to get into it, obviously. It's called The Massive Trump Coronavirus Supply Effort That the Media Loves to Hate. Uh, it's by Rich Lowry. It's over at National Review. It was from a week, about a week ago or so. Uh, and it's just extensive. I'm talking about well, 14 pages. So he got into detail. And uh, let me just share some of these with you. We've only got a few minutes left. But I'm not a Trump apologist. But you got to give credit where credit is due. If they're doing something good for the country, not for conservatives, not for Christians, although he's been great on religious freedom, pro-Israel, pro-life, let's talk about what he's done in his government response to this once-in-a-generation crisis. Um, let's see, there was that concern a um, couple months ago about ventilators 
and all the lack of supply uh, that was not carried over after the Obama administration, and it all came down on Trump's shoulders, right? Well, Peter Gaynor laid out, and he was with uh, FEMA, F-E-M-A, FEMA, HHS, and the private sector have shipped 92.7 million respirators, 133 million surgical masks, 10.5 million face shields, 42.4 million surgical gowns, and 989 million gloves since the coronavirus uh, shut down and since we were concerned about hospitals not having supplies. So that's not even a, a topic of conversation anymore, that hospitals don't have the equipment. They shipped it. They got it. The Trump administration did a lot of good things. And the hospitals were not overwhelmed, save New York, in New York City and uh, New Jersey. I think they were, they had some rough times there, rough going. Um, but as you know, most of the country did not need all that was being hyped by the media and all these concerns. So these are the facts, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, tomorrow, uh, actually, I'm going to take a break. We'll come back, and uh, I've got a guest we haven't seen or heard from in a year, but he works with Ken Ham at Answers in Genesis, and we'll get an update on the Creation Museum on Stand Up for the Truth. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Tomorrow's guest, we are so thrilled to have Tim Chafee back with us. Answers in Genesis, and he works uh, with Ken Ham. We'll get an update on how the coronavirus and the COVID-19 shutdown has affected the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, because Tim has worked on a lot of displays there, and he's actually, that's uh, what he does for a living, and he's written books. He's got one, uh, the recent one, he's the most recent, Who or What Are the Nephilim? And uh, we talked about that last time he was on, but it's been a while. In fact, I'm looking back, it seems like it was last July Almost a year that uh, Tim was with us. So we're excited to have Tim Chafee with Answers in Genesis back with us tomorrow. And um, what else do we have coming up here? Um, we will post these, all these links we talked about, these articles. We're going to put them in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. By the way, please sign up for our free weekly Watchmen. It just goes to your email every Friday, and it just alerts you that, hey, here are the week's podcasts if you missed any of them. And it's uh, one email if you want to do that. I mean, in other words, we're not going to bombard your inbox with unsolicited uh, emails or partners or anything else. It's just one email called The Weekly Watchman. Go to StandUpForTheTruth.com right on the, uh, over to the right side of the website. All you need to do is enter your name and your email, and that's it. I think you hit send or submit or whatever it is to sign up for The Weekly Watchman. Subscribe, and then you can share that email. Because we're not, uh, a lot of our content is not showing up in your Facebook news feed. So we'd rather email this to you. So thank you so much. Keep us in prayer. And as always, if you need prayer, please contact us here. It would be a blessing and an honor to pray for you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.